Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Everyone, this is the Stroke Diva Fabulous Radio Show. This is your host, Kamaria T. Richmond, and this is the first show for 2018. I'm so excited to have our guest this evening. We are talking to Ananda Leake, and Ananda is an author, artist, yoga teacher, speaker, digital strategist, and a mindfulness teacher which is what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about mindful living, mindful creativity, and mindful technology. Ananda, thank you for being on the Stroke Diva Fabulous Radio Show this evening. Well, it is a pleasure to be on this show in this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful month of February. That means so many things to so many people. Yes, and I want to share with our audience this evening, as you know, that I had a stroke in uh, 2004, and learning how to read and write and walk and talk and all that good stuff all over again has been a wonderful challenge, uh, because you kind of get to start life over, and uh, my major was radio, television, and film, and I was at the University of Maryland, Maryland in College Park, and I was there, got my degree in radio, television, and film, and graduated, and guess what? Did something completely opposite <laughs> of that. But my dear friend, my best friend, Ananda Leek, as I was going through this transition, uh, said to me, Kamaria, you have a gift, and we're going to get you back to using it. We're going to get you back to your roots. And Ananda came up with the Stroke Diva Fabulous radio show. She walked it through me, uh, walked it with me for a whole year so that I was comfortable to do it by myself. But lo and behold, her father, Dr. John Leake, uh, was my uh, partner in crime because John took over Ananda's part as my uh, my my digital. Uh, I'm going to say what expert and well, producer. Uh, you know, somebody producer. to help. Yeah, behind the yeah. scenes. Behind the scenes. So shout out and much love to uh, John Leake. So that's why I'm excited about starting the show over again. Uh, for 2018, and we are going to talk about mindfulness in depth. I'm going to share a personal story with you once we are done. But Ananda, tell us, how did you become a mindfulness teacher? What was the catalyst uh, for you to make this your life's mission? Well, everybody, Kamaria and I have known each other since 1987. We're the members, we're the same, we're the sorority sisters. Let me 
slow down. Let me breathe and be mindful. <laughs> we are sorority sisters in a Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated, and we met in 1987 and have been um, the best of friends since then. And Kamaria actually is responsible for many of the things that I do in my life now because there was a period of time after I finished graduate school, which was law school, that uh, I was challenged with trying to pass the bar exam. And Kamaria was in my life on a daily basis, and I failed four years in a row. That's eight times, and I was unsuccessful. And during that time, I went through uh, lots of different challenges, emotionally and physically. And Kamaria exposed me to meditation. And it was through the communities that we participated in and the people we were hanging around and the uh, material that I was exposed to in books and talks and all kinds of things and music that really helped me figure out how to manage my life and my career reinvention. Because when I finally gave up taking a bar exam in 2003, I had to carve out another career. And that career was in municipal finance. Super stressful. And it was through meditation and mindfulness that I was able to navigate that period of time, which the municipal finance job led me into another super stressful job, investment banking. It was fun, but stressful. And then I had another life challenge uh, when I lost the investment banking job when the company closed. And that really took me into a very, very deep place of depression. And it was through therapy and meditation and mindfulness that I was able to get myself together. And I I would say also yoga and Reiki. And because I know that mindfulness and Reiki and yoga and therapy helped me so much, over the years I have been a firm believer in sharing that with others. And about 14, 13, I'm losing track yet, 2000. (laughs) I finished my yoga teacher training program, and right after that, I started a Reiki master program and have been teaching ever since and incorporating what I've learned in my life and through those um, studies and clients. I've been sharing it with folks. And so now, after about 25 years of practicing mindfulness in different parts of my life and using different tools, I'm in the process of completing a training program with Engage Mindfulness Institute, and it really is helping me wrap everything up in a nice bow, if you will, only to be able to unwrap it again and again and again and and continue to learn. So I think it might might be helpful, Kamaria, if if we take a, a step back and define what mindfulness is, because it means many things to many people, and... For me, mindfulness is the practice of taking a deep breath. And I invite you to do that right now, right where you are. Take a deep breath. Mindfulness is taking a deep breath, coming into the present moment, and paying attention without judgment. You're choosing to pay attention without judgment. 
And for me, the present moment is where you can access awareness, balance, and calm. And awareness, balance, and calm are like the ABCs of, of mindfulness and yoga and Reiki for me. And when you're able to access the awareness, balance, and calm, you're able to tap into loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. And by doing all of that, you really do open yourself up to knowing who you truly are. I always say mindfulness is the gateway to who we truly are. So, yeah. I hope that answers the question. It did. And I, you know, because there's so much to know about mindfulness and, and what it is and how you do it, but there are also some myths about mindfulness. Uh, can you kind of tell us about that, what you've heard? Like, I've, you know, you hear people say, um, it may be something like astrology or it may be um, tarot cards or it may mm-hmm. be a, um, I'm going to say gypsy, but that's not the, that's right. not the word I'm looking for. But, um, and we know that, well, we know that uh, two of those things definitely uh, we know are valid. But when yeah. someone says like a, someone that, oh, I can read your future, you know, this mm-hmm. kind of thing. So you, you hear mindfulness, you think about all those different myths. Can you talk about those a little bit? Sure. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that astrology and tarot and, and uh, those, those are things that are sciences for me. And right. um, it's, it's not about telling your future. It's not a fortune teller. It's not about um, you having to go far away and take a lot of time out from life to um, quiet your mind and reduce stress. Um, it's it's a way of being. It's 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 to help you navigate your busy, messy life. Um, and <laughs> one of the other myths that I um, that I hear is that mindfulness is for people who are relaxed and uh, that clearly is not me all of the time Um, it doesn't mean that it doesn't make you calm um, but it can also um, be a way of acknowledging when you're angry when you're upset when you are a mess and to be able to be with yourself and accept yourself right where you are Um, because let's be real we as human beings have a range of emotions and we have um, uh, a plethora of experiences that we encounter just in one day. And if we followed every single thing that um, went through us, oh, my gosh, and we added that up in a day, that would not, I'm imagining, folks, I can talk about myself just for today, that that, that would make me look very uh, messy and, and not relaxed at all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, one of the other myths is that, oh, you don't, you're just taking a break from reality. But fortune teller, mm-hmm. that's, what I was, that, that's what I was trying to think of, fortune teller, because we know everything else is valid. Um, but, uh, oh, you know, that's just for people, like you were saying, people that just want to chill out. People, you know, just don't want to do anything for a little bit, you know, take their mind off of their No, that's, 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 the, that's the opposite. I think that the goal of mindfulness is for us to wake up to who we are and what's happening right before us. And yes. 
another reason why mindfulness appeals to me so much in my life is that I'm, I've learned through mindfulness and through other folks around me as accountability partners, people who are in my life that tell me the truth no matter what, even when I don't want to hear it, and that's especially important. And what I've had reflected back to me and I've been able to see in my life is that I'm a, I'm a glazer. And when I talk about that, I mean I glaze over stuff and pretend that it doesn't happen. Some heavy stuff, I will dress it up and make it smell good, look good, sound good. <laughs> and that is not reality. And it is through the practice of mindfulness that I've learned how to to see it and I've also learned how to figure out a way to um, to be with uncomfortable emotions and experiences when it hurts the most. And it doesn't mean that I'm some superhero. Um, it just means that I am able to, after tears, after screaming, after cussing, at some point I'm able to get to a place where I can breathe, I can be with myself and, and offer myself loving kindness and compassion. And when I'm able to do that for myself, I can do that for others. And that's, that's, the, that's the other piece of mindfulness is that when we can be present to ourselves and whatever comes up, all the stuff, it doesn't mean that you won't raise your voice. It doesn't mean you won't go out and and, you know, say things that you regret because we're all human and I know I do that. What it does mean is that you become more aware of what you're doing so that you can make some better choices and that you can understand how your your choices and your actions impact others. And also when you see other folks out here and you're interacting with them, whether it's loved ones, colleagues, strangers, your neighbors, um, that perhaps you can offer a little space of compassion and loving kindness, you know, without going in a different direction. Or if you see them taking it up, escalating it up, could you be somebody that could create a little space to to offer some compassion. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to beg to differ on one of those uh, parts. Sure. You are a superwoman. You are oh. a superwoman. <laughs> well, I I will say this to you. That's nice of you to say, but superwoman is dead, and that is not <laughs> the case uh, for me. You think what you want to think because it's your world, and I'm going to let you be the way right. you need to be. <laughs> Okay, so I wanted to go into you have mindful living, mindful mm-hmm. creativity, and mindful technology. Mm-hmm. So kind of walk us through those. Sure. So those when assets. I when I when I talk about mindful living, mindful living is the awareness that we bring to our daily lives and our interactions with ourselves first because it's our relationship with ourselves you know to me that's where it all begins um, are we taking care of ourselves 
and self-care looks different in everybody's life. But are we giving ourselves the um, the amount of sleep, the amount of um, quiet time, the amount of exercise? Are we giving ourselves the amount of um, quality time with loved ones? Are we feeding our brain? Are we feeding our body? You know, feeding our heart? You know, all of those things, our body, mind, spirit. How are we honoring ourselves? And mindfulness helps us to become aware of what we are doing and what we aren't doing in our daily life. And there are a couple of different tools that I use in my practice and my work with organizations and individuals it's yoga. A lot of it is I'm I'm a gentle yoga teacher and I do a lot of gentle yoga and office yoga, chair yoga. It's Reiki, which is a hands-on healing technique. And then there's meditation. Uh, and then there's just the basic element of the breath, the power of the breath and breathing exercises to help people tap into uh, how are they living for themselves. And Mindful living also involves how are we interacting? How are we interacting with others? Um, like what's happening there? What what's going on in our relationships? What's happening? You know, in the workplace, how are we responding to things? What what are our triggers? You know, all of these things help. And also, mindful living is: are we eating super fast, or are we savoring? You know, each bite. Are we gobbling down beverages, what are we drinking? Are we over overeating, over, over drinking? Are we, you know, all of these different things can come up. Mindful walking, are we slowing down enough to be able to see what is around us um, and appreciate it and also to be aware of our surroundings, um, even in how we, we, we dress and in our homes. You know, are we cluttering stuff up? Or are we keeping space uh, available? What are we listening to, you know, as far as music? How is it impacting us? It's just making us aware, you know, of of how we choose to live and who we choose to live with, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so, about, go ahead. Oh, I'm going to talk about mindful creativity because you are an artist. Yeah. And an author. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me. I don't always, <laughs> uh, this year is, is dedicated to returning back to doing a lot of, um, of, of creative expression for public consumption. <laughs> it's a long way of saying making art, selling it, and sharing it. <laughs> right. So mindful creativity is, you know, it's it's helping people become aware of and express creativity in their own unique way while overcoming blocks and, and challenges. And I think that in my own life, mindful creativity happens when I slow down. I become aware through the power of my breath. I mm. set an intention. And I allow myself the time and the space to tap into and express my my inner spark of creativity that's within us. And I, and I believe that all of us are creative. 
it's not if you just can pick up a pen and draw something or a pencil or a paintbrush or you can make something. I think we all have um, the spirit of creativity inside of us. We're creative beings. We're made by the creator. We co-create our lives with the creator. And whether it's what color you choose to wear to what food you buy to what you choose to cook to what you choose to to wear, um, the things that you surround yourself with, um, what you read. We are, we are all creative. What you choose to do, it's all, it all involves creativity. I, I'm often amazed at my conversations with folks um, on a weekly basis when I work as an artist in residence at the Center for Healing and the Arts at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. And that's where I have an opportunity to really kind of share my my philosophy on creativity and how all of us are creative because so many folks that I, I encounter, both the staff and the patients and their family and friends, they're the first ones to say, I'm not creative. And then if I start asking questions, well, yeah, you're in the home decor, you know, or home decor, as they say. <laughs> and, you know, or what, wow, that's a beautiful necklace. And then you've got a necklace and earrings and everything, and then your lipstick, your makeup. I mean, all of this stuff. That's creative. I mean, it's creative. So, yeah. You're absolutely right. It, just anything from the most simple, anything that's in your mind and heart and body and spirit and soul for you that just kind of pops mm-hmm. up at you and you mm-hmm. have a reaction, you have a reaction to it. Yeah. And I think that is um, part of, you know, creativity because whatever you're, everything you do, you're creating that through your mind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway. But I wanted to share with our listeners, uh, this is way back in the day, <laughs> Ananda was doing these sculptures with wire hangers. And I have a lot of that artwork. Thank you very much. And so that's when you would already, you had already been writing, but that's mm-hmm. when you could physically see like a whole physical dimension of your creativity. Something that was I haven't seen it since. Uh, someone mm-hmm. that has done that. Yeah, it's been a it's been a minute. It's interesting that you would say that, and I'm actually grateful that you mentioned the wire sculptures. They were called divine divas, and I started them in 1995 as a result of stress from work. And um, the coat hangers were the perfect, uh, the perfect, the perfect way for me to express how I was feeling about the power of women, which is how I'm feeling about the power of women today. That there was a need to empower women through art and expression of art. And there's a yeah. there's a wonderful um, call for public art that the Women's March organization and the founders are, are re- requesting submissions for, and it's due at the end of February. And I'm mentioning it because I'm using this radio show as an accountability that I am working on a couple of pieces to submit and... You know, whatever I do submit, I'll I'll keep in my Etsy shop. So I'm saying it here on your show so that people can hold me accountable 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. We will do that. <laughs> yeah, but the co- the coat hanger is um is really a a symbol of um it's an it's a symbol that women have reclaimed in the abortion and the pro pro abortion women's reproductive rights uh, movement. And growing up, my mom told me stories about women that she knew that used coat hangers to have abortions back in the 50s. This was before Roe v. Wade. And so the coat hanger was always a scary um, scary thing for me. And it just made me think of those women who, um, some who died and some who sacrificed themselves um, because they they hurt themselves by just not having the ability to um, have the right to choose, which we have today in, in many places. And so for me, that coat hanger expression is a way of honoring all of those that came before us and to keep us all aware, mindfully aware of what we have as women, our rights need to be protected and that we can't forget whether you choose to exercise that right or not. Um, it's important for us to, uh, to understand that women have a right to choose what they do with their body and who they do it with and to take care of it the way that they want to take care of it, not by somebody else. And definitely not by a group of men that um, have no concept of what it is to to be a woman and to understand or appreciate what it means to walk as as women on Mother Earth. So yeah, absolutely. And uh, as you say that, I I have chills because that was the way women were. That's what was happening, and and it's still happening in a lot of places today. And, you know, you were one of the first people that told me about um, female mutilation. And the thing is, is that we have, and I don't want to get into politics, but, you know, thank God that 2014, to me, was like the the year of the woman with the march and with all of, you know, all these just outbursts of protests all over the country about so many different things in 2018 is the same where you see especially like young women like young girls are into you know the power of woman you know it's it's not only me too it's yes we can and it's all of that good stuff where women I'm so thankful at a younger age are really kind of delving into themselves thinking about mindful living, thinking about being entrepreneurs. And I think we've, at least I've noticed it more in 2017. And it's just, everything just came like at 20, after 2016, uh, after the election. No, let me back up. Way back to like 2014, 15, uh, you know, things were, were, were just, I mean, women were just being just, slammed with uh, so many different things and immediately as women do we like rose up to the occasion and our voices are being heard and not as it's not just women but it's people of color 
it's people from the LGBT community. I think I didn't get that out quite right. But <laughs> it's LGBTQ. I got it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Too many letters for me. Uh, but we have, you know, that has popped up. I mean, it's, this has been a wonderful time to be living and, as you say, thriving mindfully. Uh, I think I just think it's an exciting time, and I think 2018 and beyond is going is going to, you know, go over and beyond. Uh, but before, you know, I want to talk about mindful technology before you know I start going off on some other different. <laughs> <laughs> Some other different segment. <laughs> it's your show, so we can follow. I'm following you. So mindful, mindful technology. What we're doing right now is is mindful technology. So it's it's using um, social media and technology efficiently and wisely. Um, and and I would also add that it's in my world. It's it's where you use technology and social media to make a difference, to improve people's lives and in your life too. And yeah. and the Stroke Diva Fabulous Radio Show is a perfect example after, you know, seven seven wonderful years getting ready to go into the eighth year and just watching you thrive and and grow and and have the, the the various guests that you've had on your show and then the other work that you do at Bowie TV with the Mr. Ed Brown show just watching you become a media solopreneur that is mindful technology and so what I what I do with folks is I I teach them how to um, calm their mind and focus their concentration you know many of us are faced with these wonderful tools that we're using tonight, our smartphones, our tablets, our laptops, our, our, our desktops, man, we've got so many digital devices and I often find myself distracted by the digital devices. They're lovely, but they can also take up a lot of time and social media can, can do that too and the text and the email, all of that together. Wonderful ways of communicating and taking us to a whole nother place. But many of us are dealing with um, digital distraction issues and with time management and unplugging practices. I help folks uh, navigate that. And also in helping organizations craft and execute strategies that create and curate and share content online on their websites as well as on social media. And then helping individuals develop their own personal brand and their voice and coaching them through that and, and helping both the the organizations and the individuals that they work with to Figure out a way to do it mindfully, you know, not, you don't have to throw it all up at one time and how to, how to demonstrate your thought leadership, connect with people, market whatever your, your services are, your campaign is, and, and still remain productive and visible with all of these beautiful tools and, and apps. So, yeah, one, one thing I did want to say is that there are some really interesting um, statistics that 
the American Psychological Association put out, and um, it really blew my mind. Um, they do this study every year. It's called the Stress in America Coping with Change Report. And for 2017, they said more than four out of five adults in the United States, that's 86%, constantly or often check their email, their text, and their social media. And then they concluded that in America, Americans, our attachment to our digital devices and the constant use of technology are associated with higher stress levels. And uh, I, when, I, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, I would have to uh, tend to agree. I'm, I'm wondering what the 2018 report is going to say if it's gotten any higher. Um, so, yeah. And now, yeah, yeah now that just seems to be true. I mean, the level of technology, that, like you were saying, that we all have, and, I mean, just all day, every day, it's text mm-hmm. and email, and it's so much. You know, people do get, like, addicted to, let's say it could be something like Facebook. I mean, you really get addicted to whatever social site you're connected with and it's and you're just drawing in all of that energy. Yeah. And then look about let's think about like how people watch television and they are engaged on their devices on social media. And and I'm I'm a perfect example. Both my father and I, we both watch Candle every Thursday on ABC, and I'm at the gym biking, so I'm kind of turning it into a, trying to take it to a fitness level and be mindful, but as I'm watching and biking, I'm tweeting, and I'm taking breaks, and I, I do a lot of biking, but I'm, but what am I doing to my mind, you know, what am I doing to my mind, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> it's craziness, and I'm involved in the conversation online as well as you know, with with um with my dad, and then now, with John. John cranks it out. He yeah, tweeting the whole on Twitter. I love it. Or or Facebook. He is just, I mean, pounding it out about the gladiators, and I just think that uh, <laughs> that's just great. <laughs> I think that's great. I love seeing it because, uh, you know, your dad, um, we're using that he's one of those, uh, if I can remember, I think he's like a senior. Um, yeah, he's 78. He's 78. Yeah, he's, so he his has, brain, yeah, like for him, his brain is getting a lot of activity. But at the same time, are we really being mindful as we're watching television? Why can't we just watch the show? And enjoy the show and let that be. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much. You think about, like, the folks that are on CNN and all the other um, MSNBC, and they Mm -hmm. are having to interview people, deal with the Twitterverse, Facebook, if they've got Facebook or Instagram. It depends on how many that they use. And then deal with folks that are telling them stuff in their ear, you know, from, from their state. Right. So it's a lot. It's a lot. It is. And the thing is, I wanted to uh, let everyone know, I, I mentioned senior for your dad because he 
is a change agent agent and I was wondering if he used if he used the word senior. Do I have that? Yes, right? yes. he's a he's a okay. senior digital citizen. I think that's what his Twitter bio Yes, is. digital citizen. That's it. <laughs> that's it. He he is he is on it. Um but the other thing I wanted to go back to um just talking about uh two things meditation and the other thing are your postures with yoga. And to me, both of those are, are mindfulness. Mm-hmm. They are. I, I will say this. Um, meditation is a, um, is a practice, and mindfulness is a way of being. That's how I distinguish them. Okay. And, Meditation is a practice that helps you quiet your mind, and meditation is a way of living where you choose to um, to be present to what's happening around you, inside of you, outside of you, um, without judgment. And yeah. that probably adds some more stuff to it. And then yoga is a is a way of of living. You know, that's that's a way of um, connecting. It's, yoga is a Sanskrit word that means um, union of spirit, mind, body, and heart. And for me, I've always said that yoga is happening when you are connecting your spirit, mind, body, heart, and breath. And that when you open your heart and you surrender to the present moment, I believe that's where yoga your opportunity to graciously accept yourself in the present moment happens. And the postures, you know, there's yoga is more than just the postures. Yoga, um, I mean, we can go on and on and on, you know, about about what yoga is, what there are. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking inside of myself that it's, it's more than just, Quieting your mind and um, and getting your body in shape with these different poses. It's a group of um, physical and mental and spiritual practices, or if you want to call it discipline, um, that can help you navigate your life. And you know they go all the way back to I believe ancient Egypt, which is ancient Kemet, the land of the black and Kamari. And I have a have a have a joy and love of understanding Kemetic, um, ancient African uh, history, and and the contributions, yes. and it and it and it made its way to um, India, and the the version that we have in the state um, in the West has come from uh, India, and there was a a wise person by the name of Patanjali. And Patanjali wrote the Yoga Sutras, which is what we have today that people hold on to. And it really does cover your attitudes, its ethics, its practices, and ways of being. Um, We could go into so much... Um, but for me, the, the yoga that I learned um, in yoga teacher training and, and what I learned in 1995 when I took a trip with um, African 
African-American scholar and historian, Tony Browder, um, we went to Kemet, Egypt, and we did the, the tour, and we took a trip down the Nile, and there were two African-American women from Detroit that taught us yoga going down the Nile. And I had, I had known about yoga, but I didn't really have my own personal practice with it. And the yoga that they taught was Hatha yoga, and it's um, a kind of yoga that focuses on your physical and mental strength by building your, um, your exercises through these postures and through the breath. And I felt so connected to myself. Like, I really felt my body, like, in my body. I was really starting to notice things. And I realized that um, I was missing a whole lot out on life (laughs) without this (laughs) practice. So, you know, I asked them, what should I do? And they um, they said I should find a teacher. And I was in an African-American women's... um, meditation group at the time and there was a meditation teacher there, Gloria, and she came and taught me in my home and so much stuff came up for me with yoga. Um, I cried. I let a lot of stuff out. I I initially took it so I could relieve pain from running because I was a, a, a really, really committed runner at the time. Still am to a certain degree, but not as much as I used to be. And when I started to see the release that I had, the emotional release, and just really getting in touch with things and really starting to face some stuff I was glazing over, I was a goner. I was, a, I was, I was like, this is my life. Like, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. So yoga, I can go on and on and on. Um, but, yeah, um, meditation um, helps you concentrate, you know. It helps you... Um, you know, get in touch with who you are at any given time and, and moment. Um, it helps you figure out when you're not paying attention. <laughs> it helps quiet yeah. your mind so that, you know, you can ask yourself, um, one of the things that I invite folks to do on my podcast, um, my Thriving Mindfully podcast, is, you know, take take some deep breaths when you're waking up in the morning, after you're able to say thank you for this day to whatever higher spirit that you may um, relate to. And and after you're doing that, to um, sit still for a moment and ask yourself, who do you want to be when you show up in, in, in the world today? You know, just allowing yourself to sit with that question and you may not, have an answer. It may come later, but just creating the space uh, by doing that. And then there, you know, there's there there are all kinds of ways to um, to get into meditation. But one of the things that I love most is that you can you can do a walking meditation, a sitting meditation. You can do a laying down meditation, a standing meditation. If you've got ten seconds, you can meditate. We all have that. You don't have to put on a, a particular outfit or go to a, a place or pay $20. Um, there's so many different things that are available on YouTube. Um, you know, I always suggest folks take, take a look at it and see what's out there and see what resonates with you. They've got um, all kinds of tutorials, free stuff, paid stuff, uh, 
folks write about it with the Internet, and this is Mindful Technologies. They've got apps to help you move through it, free apps, paid apps, all kinds of stuff. It, it, it's a lot out there. But what I would encourage your listening audience to do is to, if you want me to walk you through like a really quick one that folks can take with them, if, if that's okay. Oh, yes, yes, do that. Okay. And we, still have, we still have more to talk about as well. Okay, great. So. <laughs> yes, let's do that. And I know we were talking now the other day. I was like, I use all kinds of apps, free apps and paid apps. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not. Believe it or not, I use no apps <laughs> for meditation. I use none. <laughs> so. well, you're, you're a teacher. You're a guru over so No, many. no, no, no. That's not, that's not the case. I mean, I use other folks. Like I use, I listen to people on YouTube or I listen to certain teachers and I let them right. you know, walk me through like podcasts or something or tapes or something or I like to go and have people walk me through. So I want to yeah. start by inviting everyone right where you are, whether you're standing or you're sitting, to close your eyes if you like, keeping them open if you like. And if you're keeping them open to take a deep breath and slightly move your gaze so that it's down slightly. Inhaling deeply and then exhaling. And if you're sitting inviting you to have a nice, long, firm back, if you're able to do that. And if you can, you can come to the edge of your seat, placing your feet flat on the floor, allowing hip-width distance in between your legs. And allowing your hands to rest on your knees or on your lap. You can have your hands face up or face down, or face down. And then taking a deep breath, whether you're sitting or standing, and bringing your shoulders all the way up to your ears, holding that breath, and then allowing your shoulders to drop down nice and slow and great. And then allowing yourself to just breathe at your own body's rhythm, in and out, not forcing, but just being right where you are, wherever that is, or whatever you're feeling, whatever you're thinking, not pushing any thoughts away, giving them space to be, noticing if you are feeling any heat in your body or coldness, if you are sleepy, fully awake, you're energized, you're tired, if you're calm or anxious, 
And then bringing your attention to your thoughts. Are they moving quickly? Are they swirling around, jumping from one topic to another? Or are they just coming? Well, I won't say nice. Just coming at a a moderate speed or maybe a very slow speed. And then noticing what type of thoughts they are. Without judging, no judgment, just Turning your attention to what's happening around you. Are you smelling any scents? Things you like, things you dislike? Not getting caught up in the story of why you may dislike or like something. But just noticing. Your eyes are open, noticing any colors, any structures, where you are in your room, in your home, or your office, wherever you may be listening. Noticing any sounds, both inside the room where you are or outside. And then allowing yourself just to be. Be with yourself right where you are, coming as you are. And inviting us all just to sit in the silence without me talking. Inhaling and taking a very, very deep breath. And then exhaling. May we all be peaceful, happy, and free of suffering. May we embody loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. May we all be safe healthy, free, and at ease. May we all embrace thriving mindfully. Namaste. Namaste. That was beautiful. I feel ooh, I feel nice and good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice and good. Nice and good. And I do want to just, I don't want to keep you too long, but I mm-hmm. do want to... Um, Bump up your books mm-hmm. and your podcast. Okay. So, so tell us about those. Yeah, sure. So first of all, I want to instruct everybody and, and well, not instruct, invite everyone to um, take a look at anondelique.com forward slash books. And that's where you can go and find out about the three great books that I've written. And I say great because... I'm biased, and they really are great books. (laughs) You can look on Amazon and read the reviews. So the first book I'm going to talk about is called Love's Troubadours, Karma Book One. It's actually celebrated 10 years 
last year. Oh, goodness. Yeah, and yeah. Love Troubadours is probably my favorite because uh, it took forever to write it from 1997 mm-hmm. to 2003, and it wasn't that I was writing it consistently. I was taking breaks and living life. Uh, but it is the story of Karma Francois, and Karma Francois is a 30-something California boho black American princess. She's got Louisiana roots and urban debutante flair. And the novel starts off with Karma's life suddenly taking a dramatic turn. And she's got issues with uh, career reinvention because she's lost a job as a big-time museum curator in New York. She's got relationship issues. And then, as a result of her dad passing, she's got some family secrets that she has um, discovered that really shake her up. And she comes to D.C., Washington, D.C., and she is forced to um, craft a gypsy existence as a Jill of many trades where she's a yoga teacher, uh, training that she had in college, but she never thought she would have to use to make her her (laughs) ends meet to have bread and butter on the table, if you will. She's an art consultant for clients she does not like, and she's a freelance curator, and her pride is hurt in all of this. She's unable and unwilling to appreciate any of these jobs, and so she's wallowing in her lost identity, and she's in denial, she's depressed, and she's in debt. And when she looks in the mirror, she does not like who she sees, and um, she's having to wake up for the first time in her life to who she really is, and she's using the support of yoga, meditation, mindfulness, spirituality, a community of of close friends and family, and uh, therapy to navigate all of this. And you get to see uh, Washington, D.C., you get to see Chicago, you get to see Oakland and San Francisco, you get to see a little bit of New York. And it takes place from 1999 to 2001, and technology is involved. And I won't tell the end of the story, but she um, uses technology for online dating. And so that's a really interesting um, journey for her. Some of Karma's experiences are my own, I will say that, and then a lot of them are not. So you have to check it out. It's available on Amazon, uh, as are the other books. The second book is called That Which Awakens Me, and it's a creative memoir about my journey from being a young lawyer and investment banker into who I am today. And it really does show you um, the experiences that I've had. And I I use poetry, I use prayers, I use um, literary genres that I made up myself. (laughs) You're so creative. uh, yeah, I, I gave myself a lot of permission in this book, and um, it includes poetry from when I started writing poetry as a as a young as a young kid and a teenager, um, and all the way up to now. So you get to see who I have become as a spiritual person, who I am as a creative person, why my African, Native American, and European ancestry. Um, and, and all of my ancestors and their journey means so much to me. Um, 
yeah, you get to see my travels to, to different places, different countries, um, a little bit of everything. And then the third book is called Digital Sisterhood, a memoir of Fierce Living Online. And that talks about the power and the presence that women have had on my digital life and career since 1986 when I first logged on as a first-year law student at Howard University School of Law. And it it shows you what happened to me when I, I walked into a Internet cafe at the United Nations Fourth World Conference on Women in Beijing, China in 1995, and I saw all of these women on, on computers and them using email, and it never occurred to me that I could communicate and keep in touch with folks from all over the world um, and it blew my mind, and it it really changed who who I who I was and and who I who I who I wanted to be. And so the book has some great mindfulness exercises on on how to unplug and, and how to blog and, and use social media. And um, yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty interesting journey. Both That Which Awakens Me and Digital Sisterhood are um, available for your reading eyes on your Kindle, on your tablet, or on your phone. So you can you can get that and uh, enjoy it. Right now I'm writing uh, another book. Um, I'm not going to say when it's going to come out <laughs> because I have learned in my writing process that it comes out when it comes out. So it's called uh, Lighthouse, a memoir of thriving mindfully, and it is talking about what I've experienced in my mindfulness journey over the past twenty five now twenty six years. And so, yeah, that's um, that's where I'm at. And the podcast is called Thriving Mindfully. It's available on SoundCloud. All of these um, the podcast episodes are my gift. To, to everyone, I really believe in sharing um, what I know and what comes through me uh, with others because that, that's what's carried me so far. You can go to soundcloud.com forward slash Ananda hyphen leak and you can, you can just easily go to anandaleak.com forward slash resources and that's where you can find the podcast. You can also find the um, thriving Mindfully video series of six-second um, videos with text that inspire you to um, to live mindfully. And then if you are really up for it and you're looking for a community um, to explore mindfulness with, an online community, you can jump on over to Facebook and join Kamaria, myself, and a whole bunch of folks uh, in the Mindful Cup of Tea Facebook group. So you can find that on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash mindful cup of tea, just like the tea you drink. Yeah, so I think I've done my my commercials. <laughs> you can you can find me online everywhere at Ananda Leak. If I'm not on the channel, it's because I probably decided I need to not be there, but I'm on <laughs> LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, YouTube. Yeah. And you know, and I I want to highlight all of that because each one of those things to me are about mindful 
living and mindful creativity and mindful technology and thriving mindfully because I think uh, now that people are really learning more and are practicing more mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And that's why yeah. I wanted to have you start off my 2018 uh, talking about it so that we can get uh, so that we can all just keep sharing, sharing and helping and teaching one another how to navigate through this uh, this, this existence. For a lot of people, it's totally something new. And I think it's important, uh, especially in the time that we're living in, to really be able to kind of step back and reflect and and see how you're going to be moving forward. Like you say, when you wake up and you breathe and, you know, um, who do I want to be today? And I think that's just a powerful statement, just to ask yourself, you know, who do I want to be today? And because every day is different. <laughs> it is. Every, every moment is different. Every, every moment is different. If you, if yeah. you break it down, like, and that's, you know, one of the things I wanted to say to your to your audience is that if you if you just get this about mindfulness, it's self-care. It's yeah. self-care. Mindfulness is self-care. It's the greatest gift of self-care you, you could give yourself because mindfulness will help you, um, it will it, it will just open you up and help you become aware of what it is that you need in order to 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 navigate this existence as Kamaria said. And I I I consider these four things the, the self care vitamins. It's loving kindness, compassion, joy and equanimity. And um you know it it sounds like, you know, it's a lot of words and it could be to some but to to just open yourself up to that experience of, of allowing it to, to show up the way it needs to show up in your life. Because mindfulness in my life was completely different than mindfulness in in uh, yeah. my classmates' life through the Engage Mindfulness Institute. I mean, it does. Everybody has, because everybody's different. Everybody has different experiences. Right. But the one right. thing it does do is it, it gets you in touch, you know, with, with who you are. And... Um, I feel like that's that if you can if you can find a way to know you then um you're you're halfway there, you know. Exactly, exactly. And that's that uh kind of uh you know, you're you're hitting that pause and and then you're saying, um, okay, I see myself as a mindful person or I see myself doing, you know, all the things that we've been talking about this evening. So you, you know, visually it is helping us just to kind of see it, but also listening and, uh, and just really, we're all like, as we've always said, a work in process. And we, you know, we do and learn what we need to do and learn at every single, you know, we're talking about every moment and, uh, and every moment counts, and definitely, especially, um, you know, every be- breath counts because uh, that's what that's what drives the universe. Lots of mindfulness breath. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
mindfulness people, and people are doing it, and they don't even know that they're doing it. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I want to share also, too, with um, your your audience, like you had mentioned, like uh, the apps and things like that. And so me, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to attend a, a, a wonderful spiritual center in Unity of Washington, D.C., and um, it's at Unity that we have a, a regular meditation in our service as well as we have um, meditation um, throughout the week, uh, different ways to meditate, all free. If you want to make a donation, you can. Um, the other thing, too, that I use is I, I'm a live streamer for Agape International Spiritual Center, which is uh, run by Michael Bernard Beckwith and his wife, Ricky Byers Beckwith. And they have meditation. Um, they have like a 30-minute meditation. And you can watch the live stream online at Agape Live. You can also go to Unity of Washington, D.C., which is Unity wdc.org and look at what Reverend Sylvia Sumter and the whole team of, of Unity in D.C. is doing. And there's all kinds of things that are available online. Oprah Winfrey and Deepak Chopra offer a free meditation series at least three to four times a year. And you can go to the Chopra Center uh, website and uh, look and see what is available. Um, and when the next one is coming, they they usually do something. Um, man, it's it's probably getting ready to come up. Um, I don't know when, but they they usually do it. But you can also purchase um, the twenty one day meditation um, series, the old the old ones. But they have resources on their website for other meditations that you can try. Um, and then the other resource that I've used in my life um, is the Insight Community of Washington, D.C. that was founded by Tara Brock. She's a psychologist and a, and a meditation teacher. Um, she teaches the Vipassana um, meditation. And there is a People of Color Sangha that is, um, that is led by my amazing teacher, La Sarmiento. And I've been a part of that community since 2007. And it's... Um, truly been a blessing and Tara Brock has some amazing meditations that are available on imcw.org and you can go there and see and then there's then there's a, a whole host of, of other teachers um, that you can look up and see uh, and just find who, who works for you uh, you know that's it's, a, it's like anything you you've got to Explore a bit, um, maybe not a lot. You may find someone immediately, but yeah. And then you are your own resource too. You know, you don't necessarily have to go to someone. You can you can you can tap into what's inside of you and be your own resource and allow yourself to be with yourself. So yeah, you had mentioned at the at the beginning of the show that you had something happen. You wanted to share a personal story, so I'm not trying to interview <laughs> you, but I didn't want to wrap up unless you gotta go. But I have plenty of time. But I wanted to um, in, invite you on your own show to share your personal story. <laughs> <laughs> and I will because we were talking about it, and and you just um, 
you know, the Oprah and the Deepak, like I buy those, mm-hmm. I buy the tapes. <laughs> Each meditation series, like I buy it. And of course, like Oprah. So, I mean, like you said, there's a wealth of mm-hmm. uh, information out there and everything is online. And actually, because you were talking about Agape last night, I listened to a couple of um, of uh, those recordings and of course uh, Reverend Sylvia listened to some of those uh, recordings last night because sometimes you just there's so much and you step back and then you go oh man somebody just told me this and I found something new Mm -hmm. (laughs) for me oh I found a new app oh my god (laughs) it is amazing you know it's all wonderful but what happened uh, today was that just a few hours before I started the show, a flood in my basement. And I have to go back and say, now, last August, there was a flood in my basement, and the workers were there from August to October. Because we're like, everything has to be done by Thanksgiving, because, you know, there's a lot of hosting, Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, you know, at my home. So we're like, everything has to be done by then. And there was so much work to be done, which is why it took uh, three months. And we thought that everything was fixed. Everything was perfect. Everything had to be redone in that in that basement. <laughs> and so today, now, you know, we've had a ton of rain. And uh, today we go downstairs and water is everywhere. And, of course, you're... You know, we're like, really? Really? With new carpet and <laughs> new tile and uh, painting. And I mean, it was just so much work that had to be done. And here we are, like, what, three months later, and it started again. And so I was saying to myself, well, I definitely, you know, we have people coming in this evening and people coming in. Um, tomorrow to kind of work on this because it is a lot of water. And so I was saying to myself, I'm not going to cancel uh, the show because right now I'll need some mindfulness, (laughs) some mindfulness uh, uh, stuff going on. And, and, and so, you know, I tell Ananda all of this and, you know, she has me stop and take a breath and um, kind of got me centered uh, into the show. And that reminds me, so thank you for that. But we were also going to talk about, and that just um, came to me, about mindfulness and the civil rights movement. And mm. not, just, not just where we were way back then, we want to say, which really that wasn't that long ago, uh, when you think about when we got the, the right to vote, uh, you know, we, we're in um, this, we've always had this journey uh, in America with race. And so, you know, that's a whole different show and being all itself. But because this is Black History Month, I want to get your take on mindfulness and the civil rights movement and where we are today. We have some uh, some amazing people 
uh, yeah. made it possible to, to you know, do what we're doing. And so that's kind of talk about that. So that's a really interesting question. Um, and it's, it's a great question for where we are today, actually today. And everybody in America knows what I mean by today. Right. Every day is an opportunity to um, to wake up to who we are and what what's happening in America. Right, it's a lot. Um, you know, our our ancestors that that um, stepped out so many years ago and. And I'm going back to before the civil rights movement. I'm talking about our ancestors that uh, were brought here, our enslaved, as enslaved um, folk. They were Africans, but they were enslaved. And what it took to make that journey and those that survived. And, and then calling into being all of our Native American ancestors that were already here. and having our European ancestors come because, and I don't know about you, but I'm a combination of all three. And yes. uh, I don't have to go that far back for the European, and that wasn't necessarily a slave owner on some side. Some of them were and some of them were not. Um, but all of the things that folks in our, in our, in our, in our families have had to endure um, as they've they've come up, and in particular those that have had their rights in their lives um, violated. And they were able to to be enough for us to be here today. And so I I want to take a moment of silence for everybody. So one of the things that I'm reminded of on a regular basis, and and I had a reminder on, I think it was Friday, um, I saw Mama Oprah (laughs) in a beautiful gold dress. Someone had posted it on Instagram, and she was talking about black history every day. Yes. Talked about how Maya, Dr. Maya Angelou, reminded her that when she walks in the room, wherever she goes, she is one with the many ancestors that they come with her. And that is a huge mindfulness practice to bring with us as we move into the different places we're called to speak and and and, and write about and to march and to... Um, to live our truth in liberation. I have to say, too, that um, there's a lot of uh, folks that use the word resist, and I understand why. But mindfulness and how we communicate what we're, what means something to us and, and in our interactions with ourselves and, our, and others, and I don't want to 
suggest that people not use the word resist because it means different things to different people. But for me, resistance is, when I say I resist something, it means that it persists. And so I've, yes. I've, been, I've been hanging on this word liberate. It's been coming to me. And so I want to say that everything that we do to liberate ourselves, our consciousness, our communities, our, our, um, our country, our world, our universe, bringing one, all of our ancestors with us into that space, and knowing that we are not alone, because I'm not on the front line, and um, I I do what I can where I'm at, and I don't know the impact of that, but I just wake up every day, and what I can offer in terms of my gifts and helping others how I make a contribution um, and, and making sure that I'm aware and I support in both showing up as well as writing a check, as well as retweeting, as well as educating and informing or spreading information. Um, and it's being mindful in how we choose to do that. How are we showing up? How are we supporting? How are we um, spreading the message? Are we just retweeting or, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to tax anybody for doing that because I think every little bit counts. But really finding out what are we called to do and then connecting with people that are doing that. And that requires some slowing down because not every issue is for us. Not every action is for us to take. You got to find your lane and stay in it, whatever that is. And you can use mindfulness to um, to discover that. Um, and I say that because I'm greatly concerned with how we take care of ourselves as we do this work. Whether it's um, when I when we say civil rights, I say human rights. That includes women's rights. That includes uh, uh, Black Lives Matter. That includes LGBTQ. That includes Latino. That includes Muslim. That includes um, our elders, that includes young girls, young boys, that includes everybody, people living with special needs. I mean, and the list can go on and on and on. Um, All the different types of ethnicities, Asian, uh, Middle Eastern, all of that. I could be on the show forever and name the names of groups. Exactly, yes. Our, Our people are the first you know, our, our Native American ancestors, people of our First Nation, both in, in the Americas, both in the United States and Canada, as well as in other other places, folks in the continent of Africa, um, our families that's in the, in the continent of Africa. Um, it's, it's how we're taking care of ourselves, because if you burn out, you're no good to yourself or to anyone else. And this is some hard work, and it's taxing and it's stressful, and it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, you know. And so one of the things that I try to do on a, on a regular basis, and it, it doesn't happen every single day, uh, I've got to be honest, but as many days as I can become conscious is to send love and light to those that are on the front line, those that are working, um, 
on my behalf and, and our community's behalf because they need it. They need they need the they need the energy, they need the support, they need the financial support. So it's becoming mindful of how we how we spend our time, our treasures and our um and our talents, how are we supporting and where are we supporting and how much are we doing it and at what cost? And I'm not certain if that answered your question. <laughs> oh, it did. It did. And, I mean, you are absolutely, uh, absolutely correct on um, on what we're talking about because we are looking at, like, a global, a global issue of being kinder to ourselves and to other people. And so extending... Uh, extending ourselves, whether uh, just extending ourselves into whatever our our heart and our our uh, spirit guides us to be, and it's all of those things that you mentioned, and it just seems like the world is so much bigger. It seems like it's really small, but it's mm-hmm. also so much bigger, you know. I know Oprah talks about, you know, the dream that is bigger than yourself, but it's just not the dream. It's like daily living, um, Mm -hmm. just being and being present. But when you, and you kind of get bogged down because, you know, you know, I'm on MSNBC and CNN Mm -hmm. (laughs) and all of that. And you just see so many challenges. And, you know, I do say, well, what is it that I can do? And like you say, I do what I can every day to make a difference, whether it's in my life or in someone else's life. And these are very small, very small things. You know, we're not all out doing these big, big gestures, as you you had um, alluded to. I mean, just the small things that will help us be good to ourselves, kind to ourselves, and kind to others. But the world just seems so big. It's, It's so much, like with social media and, you know, the TV and the movies and the music. It's just so overwhelming. And so taking a step back and being mindful as uh, as we can. And it was, you know, that our ancestors had to do that to survive so that we could thrive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, sometimes you see, you see struggle Mm-hmm. But you also see peace, and you see understanding, and you see things getting, although they seem like so out of the box, but you do see positive change if you yeah. are mindful and present, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think, too, in those very hard moments, especially when we get into um, police brutality, and yes. um, what's happening with the criminal justice system, and you know, we could be here yes. forever. I know yes. in the work that I did with law students in court um, as a digital communications director and and um, leading their workplace mindfulness program for over a year, that it's a lot of stress that the staff, the students, the attorneys, um, clients experience. And... Um, having a weekly Wednesday wellness session and also providing support, you know, through 5, 10, 15 minutes of meditation and office yoga before class 
and then also just working with um, staff and students one-on-one when they are stressed to to help them with their breathing, um, that made a big difference. And even even with myself, there was a period of time where um, there was there were so many things happening during the summer of 2016. Um, I I don't even want to go through. There was it was just so so much stuff happening, and I had to watch all of the videos, and they were showing they were graphic, and it was all yeah. as a result from Facebook Live, and and I and I think everybody who knows knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, you know, we want to lift up Philando and and Corrine. Um, these are people who lost their lives and, and, and Sandra Bland, our sorority sister, and, and so many others. Um, but having to cover it and having to, to share it on social media, you've got to look at it before you can write something about it. I had to have... Um, a couple of interns just sit with me and breathe with me as we watched it and to stop it so that we could, like, just get through it. Yeah. Because that, taking all of that in after a while, it 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 does something to your spirit, but that's the reality that we live in. And a lot of folks can't take a break because they're in their community and they're, and they're feeling it, they're experiencing it, they're living it. Absolutely, and uh, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother area I'm not an expert in. <laughs> I need help. You know, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's yeah. important. It's important to recognize that the, the social justice and human rights work is important. The time that we invest um, to support equality, fairness, and justice is priceless. Um, but we have to ask ourselves, how are we taking care of ourselves as we as we engage in the work, as we um, consume the news, as we stay abreast and aware? How are we taking care of ourselves? And I would submit to, to the audience that um, mindfulness is, is, is a gift that can help open up a whole other set of coping tools and uh, there's so many different apps out here you can just go to the Google Play Store or to the iStore I I'm not an iPhone person I'm an Android <laughs> but you can go no 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 I'm not even going to go into why but uh, no 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 shade to the iPhone folks or to thank Apple. you thank you because I'm not giving I love, it up I love, I love, I love, the, I love the product but it's just I'm, a, I'm an Android Keep yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, so so many different apps um, that we can we can uh, we can access. But I also wanted to point out too that not everybody has access to all of this technology, and and Absolutely. that is something that you know communities of color, rural communities, and and, and communities that are are really barely getting by, if getting by at all, poor communities. They don't, everybody doesn't have it, you know. Absolutely. And making sure that we have access to the Internet and that everybody has affordable access, free access. Yes. From our seniors to to folks that don't have the resources that you and I have 
And and in many places they call us the digital elite. And um and we're moving at a pace in our in our world where we're we're leaving folks behind. And yeah. mindfulness is a way of, of of coming into a place of consciousness to say that everyone has the right to digital access. Everyone should have the the capacity to get online and not to have to sit outside of a of a school. You know, there are kids all over this country that are sitting outside in parking lots in front of um, fast food restaurants, wherever they can find a, 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 a gateway to the Internet to do their homework. They're doing their homework on their phones. Right. Got to use mindfulness and money and funding, you know, and it's right. just the right thing to do, you know, Absolutely. to make sure that, um, that everybody has it. And and I will be quiet on that because it's way past the time that we um, we set up for this wonderful conversation. And I will I say, yeah, but it's, it's been great. Yeah, yeah. it's been um, great. Yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity to um, to to be in conversation with you about um, so many different things that we both love and that we've experienced. All of these years, these three decades of of, um, of soulful sisterhood and friendship. Yes, yes, and I want to thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, being on the show this evening. And yes, we have a a sister love bond where I know I have had much growth and and understanding over. Oh my God, you go like three decades. It's like where does the time where is the time gone? But um but establishing relationships are they are they really are mindful because not only when you're engaged in something positive with someone else, then you can take that into the world and make a difference to the planet or make a difference on the planet. So these kind of conversations are um are sacred to me, and being able to share them with others is a part of my mindfulness duty to uh, to to help myself and to help others all around the globe. And so, I want to thank you, Ananda Leek, for being on the show. And everyone can find Ananda on anandaleek.com. She always has good stuff, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. Her website, you can find her everywhere, and definitely tap tap into uh, her podcast and buy those books <laughs> because uh, you will definitely get into a mindful way to live and thrive. And I love that thriving mindfully. I think that is a true statement. And uh, so thank you, my dear. I really appreciate it. Thank everyone for tuning in. This uh, call is live and recorded, and uh, we're going to kind of toggle out of here, and in about 15 minutes, TalkShoe will have uploaded this call, and you can share it with your network. Thank you for for tuning in, and uh, 
stay present, stay present, and stay mindfulness. Mindful, mindful, mindful. That's our new word for 2018. Or that's my. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.